2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
0: What are you into?
3: Talking.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
3: I have a special opening. Oh no.
4: It seems like anytime there's something special, it's usually. How far can we kick Josh for
3: a little while? So, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. No, I don't have any. I don't have any ripping on you today. So,
2: <laughs> you're like Batman. We only do it because you can take it. All right. So, but- this is
3: actually going to be the start of our podcast today because I've got to introduce something. Uh, w- w- welcome everybody. Uh, <laughs> normally, we have the, like the big voice guy come in and stuff like that, but something happened yesterday that was fantastic news, and I may be the only one here that thinks this is a cool deal, but I thought we'd need a special open for our show today to honor the big announcement that happened yesterday. And you guys could tell me if you know what this is. I have no idea
0: what you're talking about.
2: I I know. I didn't
3: tell anyone. I'm confused.
2: Stranger Things. Unofficial 40. Josh McQuistion,
3: Eddie Radimsovich, Joe Devall. <laughs> uh, all right, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it is another edition of the unofficial, <laughs> the unofficial 40. 40. I just wanted to play that because it was announced yesterday that uh, season two of Stranger Things is on the way. In 2017, I don't know. Have you watched it, Eddie? I know. I know. My you roommate a, watched it. You have it. a puzzling, puzzled
0: look on your face. My roommate watched it, but I never got into it. Oh, but man, I did great. see the uh, the the
3: kids on. Uh, I guess it was Jimmy Fallon last night. Yeah, they were on Jimmy Fallon. That
2: show is fantastic.
3: Josh, do you have an opinion either way? Have you seen Stranger Things? I haven't. You
4: know, and everybody I talked to is like, "Oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it." But really, most of my nighttime watching at this point is either like I just got done watching. U of H and Florida State from last year, or I watch, um, you know, Peppa Pig. That that's a huge one in the in the house right now. So it's pretty much pure football or childlike uh, innocence. I really don't have any time for the other stuff, which is
3: truly sad. Well, you need to find some time. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're not like an E. T. poltergeist type. It's it's really it's it's probably more like nostalgia. Yeah, lots of 80s, older guys, lots
2: of '80s nostalgia. If you like the Goonies stuff like that, it I feel that Goonies place. vibe.
3: See, people keep saying that, but you're wrong. What's wrong um, How is that wrong? 1983 is what the year where it's set, so it's all very period correct and everything. And it's the music is fantastic. Like that was the theme song, but it's it's pretty good. So anyway, uh, we are headed to Houston, Eddie and I. Uh, Josh is already in Houston. because just happens to be a perfect home game for him to start. Uh, but Eddie and I are going to take off after the podcast today. Uh, driving down, uh, we've got some high school games that we're going to go check out. Well, at least that's the plan. Like, right now, it's almost noon. And we were... Josh, my chair just fell apart. Sorry. <laughs> Josh told us that we needed to leave by noon so unless i think this podcast is going to be longer than 20 minutes so <laughs> we're gonna miss that plus i still have underwear in the laundry and like i'm going commando right now eddie you don't want me going commando the whole way to houston guys we you
4: need could. to over under here we, we, we need to have a little game carries plans to make high school football games against actual games made <laughs> or, any, or just
2: anything
3: in general too right now <laughs> just anything other than practice like Eddie will tell you, I, I never miss a practice, an interview. never uh, I don't think I've, well, I got sick last year. I missed my first game in like 15 years last year when I got severe bronchitis, TCU. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember it like it was yesterday because I was dying. Uh, it, it went from,
0: I'm oh, glad, that's right. I'm glad I didn't really make that. it up that's there. Right. And then... Remember
3: I cracked my ribs up and stuff because yeah. I was coughing yeah. so yeah. much? Yeah. It took me like a month to recover. Uh, so that was, that was really bad. And then I got sick last weekend. So it's like travel to me is just, it's very stressful. Just like right now. Like I got stuff in the laundry. We got to get out of here. We're going to be, we're going to be gone for four days. We got, you know, take pictures. We got camera. Plus our new camera just broke that we bought just for this season with the super 23 times zoom lens. We're going to give it a try though. Maybe
0: it will uh, give us,
3: Oh, you want to take it? So now we got more crap to take.
0: Well, it doesn't matter to me.
2: You guys should just try it out on the road trip. Do like a uh, a vlog as you go to work, and while you work on the camera test. It's it a up.
0: lemon. The good news is today's Thursday, so we still got at least forty eight hours till kickoff.
3: I was almost gonna overnight us another one just so we could have it, just because I was so disappointed. I mean, we spent we tested it all summer, well, and it, then it it, it worked, worked like a try. We took it to rivals' Monday. camps.
0: It worked up till Monday.
3: Was It, it was yesterday. Yeah, it or stopped Tuesday. working on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. I
0: mean, it worked for post practice on Monday. What are
3: you doing, Eddie? I'm just
0: playing with this little. Give me
3: the vice grips. <laughs> Stop playing with Thing. vice grips in the middle of the podcast. I was fixing the tripod. See, our tripod's broken. Tripod's up too. broken. We're falling apart as a company, Josh. <laughs> We're in worse shape with injury wise than
0: OU is we going are. into Saturday. We're more
2: injured than OU. I'm, I'm shocked that it wasn't me that broke the camera. I was almost sure that that was going to be something that happened to me, but I, I made it through. I didn't, it wasn't me. I think it's definitely, uh, Joe's already done something worse. Mechanical though. error. It's not, it's
0: not,
3: it's nothing that we've done. Joe, you have a sideline pass this year. L- let me ask you mm-hmm. when the first game comes yep. and I give you the camera, uh-huh. are there going to be any pictures at the end of the game?
2: At least seven. <laughs> 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 I, and if you
3: forgot or you didn't listen to our earlier podcast, Joe's first in-game assignment for us was the spring game. He, we, I loaded him up with two different uh, SD cards, and he shot the entire game. Probably took hundreds of shots, maybe, maybe a thousand. Maybe
2: even a thousand beautiful shots. And the card was not seated in the camera, so... To be fair to myself as I often am, uh the memory card was like in a weird position to where I think even when you open It opened, was like a it was like a miracle. Yeah, it, like when Carrie opened it, I imagine it was like, like a toaster somehow, like just sprung out and he Somehow the it. the card stayed in long
3: enough for him to close the lid and not pop out, but still not be in the camera. I didn't even know that was possible. It's, I didn't either. It's possible when I'm working on something. That's <laughs> why we're not could, here to rip on Joe. That was not the plan of the, the podcast. Carrie, we're, here we're here to rip, rip on solo Josh.
4: Podcast, just ripping Joe and I's video and photo abilities. Like Absolutely. I could. Carrie has spent hours working with me, and I'm still basically a Neanderthal.
3: Eddie avoids it because he is a master at editing video. Yes, and fast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's, he does, I knew I was around here. for Eddie something. is the only one here, and I'm I'm full of hubris right now. Eddie is the only one here that does something better than I do. <laughs> which is that's edit good. video fast.
0: I so can edit it out. I can churn
3: it. Your job is secure. Joe, yes. we're still waiting for your thing my, to develop.
2: My <laughs> my nature by definition is worthless. I'm great at trivial knowledge, things that are trivial by nature, not helpful. But anything that's useful I don't have in my brain.
3: Joe is making a name for himself with the 321. Yes. Even though it's just 321 in his world.
2: I to me the 321 I the thought the 321 it's right. like but you 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 say you it's got to be th- three two one right. But it's got to be you say it's got to be just three things. And I kind of like the format I got going, where it's three things, then two things, then one thing. That's uh, that's double you the have an, of things. Eddie, give me this. Eddie is still <laughs> playing
3: with stuff. I cut. Dang it.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to get carried to cuss a, in the first. Uh,
3: I'm not gonna be the cusser.
2: He left toys out over by the I'll playpen where we're at.
3: You so. have okay. You can have my keep calm and carry on paperweight. thing. Yeah.
2: Okay,
4: I'm ready we, we should have taken this podcast mobile guys yeah. I'm, I'm this is one looking. this is one more
3: thing that's on the desk that I know Eddie is reaching for next <laughs> it's a drill I've the got box
4: to play with for Eddie we've got dolls we've got little guitars I mean yeah really? I'm gonna
0: have to stay in with Laney on Friday night while you guys <laughs> yeah. go to the game
2: <laughs> pop in Zootopia if you get a chance <laughs> nothing wrong with that movie we could do a game where we just find things in Carrie's house and play them near the microphone and have people guess what they are.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of crap laying around. We'll be taking call-ins. Uh, okay, so we're going to Houston. Back on track. Seems seemed like there was something else I was going to bring up before we started, but I can't remember now. We're off, we're off, the, we're off the script. Uh, tonight's game. Josh, tell us who the combatants are tonight and uh, why people should care about this game.
4: Well, you've got Manville and North Shore. North Shore's coming off a state championship last year. Manville, always one of the most talented teams in Texas, and really no exception. Uh, OU's already offered their 2018 wide receiver athlete, uh, Jalen Preston, one of the you know probably top ten players in the state of Texas in that 2018 class. Uh, already spoken with him. There's some talk that he may come up for the A&M game. Uh, he, I believe, is. I believe he told me last night he will be at the Houston game this weekend. So he's a guy already getting a ton of attention. Got offers from everywhere, and has even told some that Oklahoma's kind of in his top two right now. So I think um, definitely one of the primary focuses. But I think the guy that everybody's going to want to hear us talk about is Kayla Von Chisholm, the outside linebacker offer from North Shore. Um, just a guy that has and not just rumored to be has last time he put out a list he put it in order and had Oklahoma as his number one he's a guy that I'm really high on had a chance to see him last year kind of wasn't a guy I went to see I was going to see Tyree Cleveland and um, Ed Oliver from Spring Westfield but you just couldn't help but notice this guy and he just he's he's a playmaker so I'm really anxious to watch him go against a really talented Manville offense and see him make some plays so this should be one of the better games in the Houston area this year. There is just Manville and North Shore. I guarantee you're going to see at least a dozen Division One players. Maybe, maybe they're only sophomores. Maybe they're not ready to go. But there is a ton of talent on both of these rosters, and you're, you're going to get a chance to watch really about as good as Houston football gets tonight.
3: Now, I, I was wondering, like, you know, would some assistants go down, you know, maybe watch it. Uh, because of, of, you know, Caleb on, I don't know, I guess Thibodeau could go down. I know I was told that Thibodeau was going to be at Marvin Wilson's game tomorrow night that we're going to go see, Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be a really good chance for these coaches to kind of get out and uh, make an impression over the weekend with the, the big game coming up on Saturday.
4: Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, it's just there for them to do, and like you said, I mean, it would be crazy for OU to not be at that game. I would be surprised if you don't see, you know, Thibodeau, probably Mike. I mean, there. I, I th- actually now that I said, I think Mike may actually stay in Oklahoma City. I would heard a rumor he may be at the Midwest City
3: Booker T game. But yeah, you know, I can tell you, Mike is not going to be there to see yeah, Marvin. Yeah, that that
4: as soon as I said, I was like, that doesn't sound right to me. But I would expect a couple staffers to be there. Marvin's just a a huge deal. Would be a massive piece for this class at a position where they have a big need. So it really works out nicely that Oklahoma is not only playing in Houston, a place where they're recruiting more and more, but doing so in a year when they have, you know, not many targets left, but a few of the really key guys are in the Houston area.
3: Uh, but, but tomorrow night, Marvin Wilson, I mean, uh, big game. We're all definitely going to be at that. We're still up in the Hundo. air about whether we're making tonight. Uh, because as you guys say, I'm in charge of getting us there. So I don't know if tonight's going to happen.
0: Sidebar, are we getting a van?
3: No, because the freaking camera broke and I'm being super cheap right now because I don't know if I'm going to buy another one or not. I'm trying to save money, Eddie. It's all right. Pay your salaries. Good decision.
0: I support that 100%.
3: (laughs) (laughs) A great van.
0: I do love the minivan, though.
3: I, I mean, it sounds like you're saying, Eddie, you're a fan of the minivan. I love the
0: minivan. I used to. Have, I had a buddy in high school that drove an Astra van. Spent many nights. That sounds in it. sketchy. Spent many nights in it.
3: Like it had a bed in it.
0: No, just we'd sleep on the because you couldn't go home in the state that we were in, so you just slept in the van. Park it in a neighborhood, and
3: were there like little? There were little places you could hide in oh, Oklahoma yeah. City growing up. Oh yeah, especially on cops the, wouldn't come and bug you. Sometimes
0: they would, but it was really strange. Is because we? I don't know. I guess because we were on the north side, they just kind of check on us and let us go <laughs> we never got it in so trouble weird to me it's yeah. like
3: duncan there were places you could hide there were like cul-de-sacs like in empty neighborhoods or yeah
0: that's you know. what we did
3: hmm.
0: after a night of uh parking lot pimping that's
3: growing up in oklahoma folks yeah oklahoma city yeah well, it's now, the same all over Oklahoma, basically.
0: Yeah, my only trying.
4: minivan experience was the Adrian Peterson commitment. That's my only time to ever drive or have really been in a minivan. My mom was not a minivan kind of person.
3: So, why were you in a minivan?
4: Have you not? I thought everybody, uh, Adrian. My truck. I, I'm driving. I had a uh, Chevy like fifteen hundred at that point. And I'm driving to Palestine the the night before his uh, announcement ceremony on signing day. And I'm driving down, and I get to about Purcell, and all of a sudden I'm going up a hill, and I can't do better than 40. And I'm just – I'm my, my speedometer is just falling. I blew out my transmission on the way to Palestine, Texas. Well, I had a buddy uh, that ran a car lot, um, uh, I guess shameless plug, a, a Diffie, and he um, – I was like, dude, I need a rental car. And I'm not 25, so I can't just go to, like, National and rent a car. I was like, 22. They won't rent to anybody my age. So I'm like, well, what can I do? Call my friend. He's like, dude, I got a car. You come use it. It's fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. So I go, and he gives me, like, a a 2001 Ford Aerostar or something. Like, some – and it's – I mean, it's not terrible, but it's a minivan. I'm in my early 20s. Like, I've never been so shamed driving something adrian sees it he makes fun of me like it was a whole thing like it it ended up being kind of a semi-story of the announcement was him coming outside and we were talking and he's like that's you yeah man that's me and he goes that that's a nice minivan dude like i swear he's like you're not married bro like i think he thought maybe the guy he thought he knew was actually a really (laughs) creepy white guy so um it it was kind of an interesting story to go with
3: (laughs) that's interesting I mean, I, I mean being ashamed of minivan, I'm kind of ashamed of you. yeah the minivan, no, it, the minivan it wasn't awesome. my
4: proudest moment. there's no doubt it was it was kind of like a few years ago when you had um what was it gundy no was it, yes, no, it was, yeah, it was Bob Bob went to see Justin Johnson years ago. And had to borrow the pl- the airport's like
3: yeah the like it was like, like a Cadillac or something, or something or yeah it was yeah, like, like, like a, some ghetto ride. Riley
0: and uh, Gundy also rolled around in that the first week they were on the recruiting trail together and like one of the
2: it was like a I don't know it was an old like Cutlass like or a, something like yeah, an old Buick or something like a Caprice or something like that.
3: They probably whenever they need to go to like somewhere around Gilmer they probably go to that airport and ask for it. Now is that They're where they got play. it from? Yeah.
2: This is one of those things where if you're like those guys, it's kind of like cute and humorous if you show up in a minivan or an old like Taurus or something. In our line of work where we already hang around high school kids way too much and talk about things all the time that have to tell my friends, yeah, I talked about how this guy's legs today and how good they looked. Like, this is not a great line of work to be in to be rolling up in a minivan to a high school. Like I think we should have like uh I mean you have to have something that's a little more I don't know, less creepy, less uh less uh I don't know. I don't want to say the word unless you own it and just like, yeah, it's my whip, Eddie. I don't have. I don't have what Eddie has, where Eddie can just own anything. I'm gonna be freaking out if I show up.
3: All right. Uh, so OU is going to be in Houston. I mean, uh, you know, it's not the NFL, but it is. I get this. And Josh, you're there, so you tell me. I mean, just the mood of Houston for this game. Are people talking about it? Like just the general sports fan? Are they interested in this game? Is it is it reaching that type of uh, 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 an interest level?
4: Well, we should say when I go out, I kind of have blinders on. I don't really want to talk to anybody in Houston, so I, I limit myself somewhat. But when you look at like the, you know the newspapers or listen to local radio, there is there's some enthusiasm though. Some of the local radio stuff's been eaten up by the Tom Herman. Uh, you know, banning, or uh, I guess not Bad banning. With that radio but, station? Yeah, walking away from 610 and wouldn't let, you know, which is the biggest station in Houston, so it's a big deal. That'd be like um, if,
3: if, like, Bob said, screw you, sports animal.
4: Exactly. It, that That's the best comparison. I mean, because there's a few other outlets, but there's no question who the, who the biggest one is, and it's them. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of eating up some of the publicity, but there is, there's a level of excitement, and which is rare for UH. I mean, even when someone was here, you know, like I've been here six years and I've never heard anybody talking about the U of H, you know, opener, whether it was home or any, any U H game, but people are excited about this. I think being an NRG makes an even bigger deal as U of H a stadium doesn't hold, you know, isn't a huge place and really is kind of an area that people just don't go to that often. So, um, I, I think there is some excitement. I think people are pretty jacked up. I had seen an estimate where someone was assuming like 50,000 Houston fans were going to be there. I don't buy that. I I, I I, probably, in the six years I've lived here, I can name, I can probably count on both hands how many times I've seen like a UH sticker or a flag or anything like that. So I don't know that I'm buying there 60 or 50,000 people that want to buy a ticket. I agree. So, I, but I mean, I definitely think there is a, a, a new level of enthusiasm for it.
2: In the capacity of that place is only 72,000, right? I don't think it's 72, two, I think. Yeah, I don't think five, yep. six, seven, six. It's the sold out.
3: There. I mean, it was yeah. announced yesterday that it sold out. So, but I, I yeah, I would think it's going to be 60 40 OU. Yeah, I would think it'd be more OU fans, if, if not more than that.
4: Well, because there's a huge OU alumni base in Houston. Yeah, I mean, not, right. not to forget all the transients, but I mean, just people that are going to, you know, that live here every day. We've got a ton
2: of them on our board yeah i mean there's probably um, millions within you know four or five hours away that are ou fans so uh, i i I don't know i would assume it's going to be more ou fans
0: it's great it's great what tom herman's doing but i absolutely hate the just the h down when you yeah well when you turn turning a program around making them into a big name or whatever i just hate it
3: i don't know i it, it you hate it, yeah. You hate I hate them it.
4: Turning around the pro, I thought they yeah. were leading into something. I know. No. I, I was
3: like, you hate something about Tom Herman. That's a new level of hate, right there. That's just a. I hate it. Like it, to hate it. Just you know, it, it's Houston.
0: It's just a. To me, it's just a commuter school. It's very below me. I think, and and really to even have to talk about him in the same sentence as uh, as OU is is a little. I don't know. It's a little below me.
3: Ah, dang it. Hold on. There are only two things I can't stand in this world people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch.
0: And the Dutch. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's Eddie right that, there. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, to. I guess even just the thought of them being in the Big 12 one day
2: is that where it's really kind of
0: sets me off. It it it's really pathetic.
2: Well, here I maybe I can expand on where Eddie's going a little bit because I was thinking he was going to say because you, you turn around these programs, but you know Tom Herman and his staff aren't thinking about staying at Houston. I mean they're not. Yeah. Getting, that, that's not a long term solution for them as much as they can scream it. Tom Herman won't be in Houston in a couple of years. It's just a fact. So I I mean it is really I mean I won't say like Eddie and just stay down Houston. We don't need you up, but uh i mean it's, it's it is a little uh fleeting it's a little insincere almost because you know it's it's as, as long as that coach is there you know he's not going to be there forever we've just guaranteed herman's not coming on this podcast that 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 day is now ended take that tom
3: i think we'll get over it well we tried to get him on the the sports animal this week and he said no well, Basti told me there's too much going on. David Basti. See, that's there, the, the that's guy. the that's the one thing that
0: I hate bad mouthing Houston because Basti's yeah, down David
3: Basti's. He was a former he needs to get out uh, assistant sports information guy. at OU. he's he's great dude. One of my favorite guys. Needs, but
0: yeah, he needs to get out. Get out of Houston.
3: I think Missouri could have hired him at one point while he was down there. But, yeah, he's really good. You might want to just stay at Houston <laughs> if, if the other
0: option yeah, is Yeah, that would have been a
3: really bad job to have right now. You'd be very busy, I bet. Yeah. PR-wise. No kidding. Uh, but, okay, I was leading into, is it enough? This was really my question, Josh, and I'm glad that you, by the way, you're so relaxed today talking on your microphone. <laughs> There's no yell talking. It's, it's, it's nice to have normal jobs. Levels are good. We, we ask you a question. You talk for a really long time, too.
4: It's not rocket science. <laughs> just say yes, and we'll move on.
3: I mean, I'm proud of you. You're your old self today. No, but the, that was the thing. It was, okay, is it enough of a buzz to where it's going to help OU with high school kids in the, in the city of Houston just by playing a game there this year? I think it can help. I really do. I
4: mean, you know, this is something where Oklahoma gets all the spotlight of frankly, the biggest you know talent bed in their region. I mean, anywhere that's uh, has any good proximity to Oklahoma, there's nowhere that's better as far as pure talent, whether it be top-end guys, guys that are development types. Houston just has so many players that this isn't just about 2017. I mean, we can talk about Chasen and uh, Marvin Wilson, and you can go down the list of a few other guys as well. But really, I mean, this builds to 2018 where, like I said, Jalen Preston, a guy I'm going to see tonight, and you just move forward and you get to kind of continue to put your stamp on recruiting in this area, which has become a bigger priority for Oklahoma, and I think only can get better with a guy like Calvin Thibodeau who has so many connections in the Houston area. So it can be big. Do I think like anyone's going to commit because OU wins this game by however many? No, no, that's not going to happen now. On the flip side, I think it's a risk for Oklahoma as well, and it's just specifically in this one situation. Caleb Onshawn is a guy that has a lot of people telling him to stay close to home. They want him to, you know, stay here, and he can play the same level of football at Houston that he can at Oklahoma. Well, a few years ago, that was insane, but now that Ed Oliver chose, you know, Houston over everybody, and probably was the number one player in Houston last year, and you get that kind of thing. And if Houston can go out and beat Oklahoma, then you have something there. I mean, that that's a chance for Houston to say, look, you don't have to go to OU to play in the playoff. We're going to have a chance to do that this year. So Oklahoma needs to win this game in his case. But by and large, I don't think it has a huge negative impact if they don't win. But it's definitely something that, that can hurt them in that one scenario.
3: You know, it's really strange. I just noticed this. Another tangent. Sorry. Uh... Oh, you used to have an offensive lineman named Kelvin Shashan. You remember him, Josh? I do. I do from Beaumont Ozen. And that was always the really weird thing is like when he was getting recruited, we all called him Kelvin Chasson. So it's like, and some people, that last name, it like is, it, everybody pronounces it differently. Like yep. families pronounce it differently.
4: Yep. Because uh, Justin was Justin Chase on.
3: Uh, yes, from the,
4: yeah. uh, the guy from Gorman a few years ago that obviously had all the the problems, but then he's Shashon, and I honestly have never asked Caleb Vaughn about it, so he may tell me. I'm saying, are we sure
3: that Caleb Vaughn isn't Kelvin's son? I'm I'm pretty the letters confident. are just barely different.
4: He his dad actually played ball at Baylor.
3: I'm just messing around.
2: I know, I know, but I, would, I, I just. That you know, for really those bizarre. out there the end of and Kelvin Shashan.: I always pronounced it K-Lavon because it, it kind of rhymes and flows it's together. Cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of disappointing it's a cool name to have. if we talked to him. He's like, nah, it's k Chasen. It's like, oh, I kind of like k That's how the Shishon. rednecks say it.
3: Well, it made that one guy mad on the board. He was like, what's this K stuff? What, what's wrong with parents today?
2: Well, that's good. Thanks, Try- old white guy.
3: If other people's name make you
2: upset. (laughs) Trump vote.
4: (laughs) Two straight weeks, Eddie just took a turn that no one saw coming. Going for gasps.
3: Mm -hmm. So you're saying something bad about Trump? (laughs) No. You know, I put that Trump picture on the front page, and I knew that was a that was a powder keg. I'm surprised they didn't get it, it get more anger. Uh, Josh changed it behind my back. He,
4: I, I absolutely did. He
3: spray painted my art. How how I can I tell that. these
4: guys they can't talk politics when I've got my my co pub putting up? It was it was
3: <laughs> it was huge. I mean, Houston was huge. I mean, huge. that was totally fit. You're uh, gonna lecture me, Mister Headline Writer. Mr. Obvious uh, Headline Writer? I write writer? Some
4: classics. I, I think everyone is well-versed in my, um, my gift for the headline. There's nothing wrong with a good
2: pun. I love a pun.
3: All right, uh, moving on. Here's uh, Here, I got I'm going to play something for you real quick while we're talking about recruiting in Houston. Uh, here's Bob Stoops this week. Uh, I was asked by a reporter about the, that very thing, about you know any kind of recruiting cachet playing in Houston. And you guys can tell me, We can try and do the read between the Bob Stoops lines. It's been a while since you guys have played in Houston. Do you think that'll help with recruiting to physically be back in that area again? For four hours, I don't know, you know. (laughs) It's not like we go down there every other week. So, you know, I don't don't know that it matters all that much, you know. I heard that, and I thought... That's what you hear in your head when you ask a question that you think Bob might really enjoy answering. He just craps all over it. <laughs> but I think, there's, I think there's a reason. I mean, there's got to be a reason why he's just poo-pooing it like that. I don't, you
2: wonder, I think that might be just his first instinct, to take a question that has hype behind it and try to think of ways he could kind of curb it and say, eh, it's not that exciting. Eh, whatever. And you guys get too riled up over Calm stuff. down, Bob. Yeah, exactly, that kind of stuff. But to, to argue with Bob Stoops himself... I mean, these these kids, the more you get into recruiting, you, you start to realize that they don't follow college football the same way fans do. And so you kind of have to burst their bubbles to get into their attention. And so, like Josh said, this might not be, you know, for K. LeVon Chasson in 2017, it matters. But down the road, there's going to be a ton of Houston kids that have OU shoved into their face because they're in Houston and the local media that wouldn't have been otherwise. And now they're in their consciousness moving forward. So... I don't It seemed like a weird way for Bob to respond to that. He could have very easily used that as a recruiting pitch. You know, I had an opportunity to sell his program to Houston kids, but he kind of just eh, moved on. You never know about Bob. He, I just don't think
0: that he crept on that hard. Though, yeah, man. he did. That was almost a, uh, all right. Was that towards like the end of the session? It was about, yeah, it was about mid. I mean, it was like three minutes in. See, that's usually a, uh, that's usually, the way he answered that is usually a, uh, all right, I'm ready to get out of here type answer.
3: Trying to pull it back up here. For four hours, I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's not like we go down there every other week. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that it matters all that much, you know.
0: The first question after the game should be, well, we were here for more than four hours. You think it helped recruiting? <laughs> you know, I know you like to ask a lot of questions.
3: So yeah,
2: I, I just thought that was it was bizarre. It was just they're going to go see a, the number one player in the country. That's a few miles away. I don't understand I, why. I don't
4: know. I, I'm with Joe. Like I, I don't understand the negative and saying, "Hey man, this is a great opportunity for us." You know, to go out and kind of plant our flag somewhere else. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have to be rah rah, but I mean, why shoot it down? Like I don't understand why you wouldn't make it sound like a big thing. I think because sometimes know, you know. <laughs>
0: Sometimes when he says stuff like that I feel like he doesn't want to set himself up for if they go out and they lose then people will come back and say oh this is going to be terrible for recruiting and they're going to probably say that regardless which sometimes I don't know if that's what he understands is people are going to usually take the the uh the opposite way or the whether it be the right way most of the time I don't know it
4: you you could be right and that's and you're right to say that that's just not – you're not going to control message. You, you have to do what's best for what you can handle and what you can manage. And a bunch of people saying, you know, quoting Bob Stoops all over Twitter where recruits can read, oh, man, we want to – you know, we want everybody in Houston. We, and You know, this is going to be big for us to go and – be in front of some of the best players in the country. That's all you have to say. It doesn't have to be, and we're going to kick Houston's head in. You know, I mean, just we get to be in front of all these great talented players.
2: Houston the athletes hours, are some of the best in the country. You know, and we're going to get to. It's not like we go down there every other week, so <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know that it matters all that much, you know.
3: It's sure.
4: not rocket science. Just say yes, and we'll move on.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Josh, one well, of
0: Bob's
3: the, not coming on this show now.
0: Well, we haven't invited him yet. He ne- oh, We'll true. send the invite.
2: Yeah. Doesn't hurt to you ask. You
3: think Bob would want to come on a show with four jackasses and
2: Yeah. He doesn't even know me. He could like me. I'm an interloper. He probably is just going to demand never... I not be part of it.
0: We'll tell him. Uh, Sam. No, we we'll got him. it.
3: We have to have Bob on so we can talk about the time that Bob made Josh feel like about 2 inches tall cuz yes. he mistook him for an he, the early he'll... internet guy. We'll tell him Sam Kirk came Smith. on. Smith
0: has come on before. <laughs>
3: Josh, Josh, man. Josh that, has taken it from Bob in the past.
4: Oh, oh, bad. That was like a one-year run. And it was like a year when there was the thing with the notebook, and then before that, the whole deal with the guy that, uh, that he thought I was. And yeah. then we had the whole thing and in practice in front of everyone. <laughs> I, I was scarred for a Was that a when while you were an
3: intern for, for the Sports Animal?
4: Yes, that's when okay. I was interning. Like and you could you tell like muffin? everybody at the animal like just see that ran away from me.
3: <laughs> I could see Randy Heights like wheeling his wheelchair away from you as he's staring and, you down.
4: Like I don't think he spoke to me again after that. He's like you are persona non grata. You can just get the hell out and of Josh
3: here. Then Josh moved to Houston because Seriously, of it.
4: I was like I have to get away from this.
3: No, but there was a time when uh you know, it, they would have open practices. And then it's like anything. If it's open, somebody is going to take it to the extreme. And, and this is a real big reason why my cl- practices ended up getting closed. So it was open practices. And like the media would come in and we'd stand over on the sidelines and we were accounted for. But then there would be like fans that would come and watch. And in the old field, it won't be that way anymore, but there was like this the ramp that went up, you know, in the South End zone. People would stand up on that ramp by the practice fields and watch. And there's a guy, he's a real nice guy. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say, I'm not ripping on him at all. There's a guy named Kurt Smith. He used to have this is back in the day. Uh, he used to have this thing. He used to, he was like, before there was even message boards or, or right at the beginning, message boards, he used to send out like a fax mailer, like a legitimate, I think it was called the sooner sports letter, but I think he was in medical sales or something like that, but he did it as a hobby. And so he would come to practice and he would like take notes on everything, like how many passes, how many runs, you know, how many, how many of this in a row, and what formation they were in. And he would throw it all up on the internet. And then Bob like, we come to practice one day, and and there are these signs up that say no notepads, no pencils, no pens at practice. And so it was all because of Kurt Smith and Bob thought Josh was Kurt Smith when he was a kid just going to school and, and helping out Krabby with the site. And oh. so he yelled at him.
0: Who does that though? Like goes out there and would post every single thing.
2: Tears for fear. Besides apparently. Kurt Smith.
3: Trust me, I think we a all know people. there's there's plenty of fan blogs out there right now that would do the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Even more. He was just—he was just ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah.
2: It amazes me that back then you all could be on the field just watching practice. I mean, I, I that ramp that goes up into Sooner Vision that overlooks those practices. Mm-hmm. I would be at work and I'd walk out onto that little walkway and just kind of see what they were doing out there. And if you were out there for more than thirty seconds, they would security se- would, they would come send somebody. And I, was, I work here. I work for the athletic department. Doesn't matter. Uh, okay,
0: whatever. There's nobody that takes their job more seriously than the. Uh Security the around security the around the stadium and Lloyd Noble Center.
3: I don't I don't begrudge them. They're just doing their job. They're doing yeah, what they're doing. Somebody told, told to do. them to do what they're doing. Yeah. So, I
0: mean. All right.
3: Side with them. <laughs> 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 One more thing for Eddie to hate on today. Um okay. Uh you know, I know we were gonna get into some things in terms of of guys that uh your first game obviously. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new faces out there. Uh, I know Joe, you you and I were talking before the show, uh, just kind of about you know some of the the, the new faces that we're going to see out there. I think obviously everybody knows the the main guys that we've been talking about um, on the defensive side. We've talked a lot about Parnell Motley and Parrish Cobb. Uh, offensively, you know, Michael Jones is probably the guy that's gotten the most talk, but I mean, you guys wouldn't go ahead and, and throw your thoughts out there about you know impact guys or guys that fans really want to
2: look for in this opener. Uh, I mean, new guys that they'll look for. Um, I mean, he's not new from the class of 2016, but Tay Evans will be out there at middle linebacker. I think he's someone that they expect big things from this year. Uh, if you want to go the freshman route, I think it will be interesting to see if Parrish Cobb and Parnell Motley do see the field. Uh, I mean, Dakota Austin, they said is going to get the start. You know, Jordan Thomas will be on the the other side. But I mean, Houston's going to go four or five wide a lot. Um, Will Johnson, they they will use him in a linebacker role. So they might, you know, bring in Parrish Cobb or Parnell Motley to cover somebody in the slot. Um, And you get a chance to see somebody who's playing high school football a few months ago uh, in a big time game. To me, that to me that's one of the more interesting things. I mean, Michael Jones might get in there and run a few routes, but to me, it's are those young defensive backs going to work in the game, and are we going to start to see if there's a path forward for them to make a move into the starting lineup? Let me let me throw this out there. Game one. What's the score at halftime?
3: If we're talking about young oh, guys getting a chance to play, side are no- we talking
2: are we talking a battle through three quarters? Side note: Do you remember the score at the end of the first quarter against Akron last year? Three nothing, right? Three nothing. So, if Oklahoma comes out against Houston, scores three points in the first quarter, I'm guessing it's not going to be three-nothing. If
0: they come out and score three points in the first quarter, Lincoln Riley should be fired. Stop it. i are <laughs> <laughs> just firing for effect
3: now. No, I... Seriously, Eddie's though... Over, Eddie's over here. Ah, I am a
4: strong man! <laughs> Take a run at me!
3: Just raging. Well, it
0: it, it got me going yesterday when I saw that somebody posted on the board that uh, they, they don't feel comfortable about the game on Saturday because of the way that Mike Stoops talked over B-roll for five minutes. He didn't sound confident enough.
3: Mike just does I mean, he comes into the interview room and he just, there's, there's a very, there's very seldom he's showing any kind of emotion. He just, he's, he, he sees it part of his job that he has to do and he, you know, wants to get because I'm sure with media, with him getting fired in Arizona, probably not. You don't really have a fond fondness for media. Yeah, That's probably true. Although
2: he sometimes, though, he has a genuineness to him. Um, even if he doesn't love being there, I almost feel like he can't help himself but just kind of tell you the truth.
3: Yeah, yeah. no, you're yeah. right.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. He's not full of BS, right? So that's that's one thing no I like about Mike, but he doesn't, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't get the vibe that he doesn't like the media. To be honest, I, that that honesty is just refreshing enough, for maybe I don't notice it. But he's someone who'll tell you what he's thinking, yeah. and he'll he'll probably he'll he'll tell you. Th- I mean, it's like that other day when
3: he didn't really want to say who his starter was, but I was like, "Come on, dude, really? Yeah, like you, this is you can hide this." And He's like, "Well, come you on. know, Dakota, Dakota."
0: All right, the but the on a serious note, scored halftime,
3: yeah. I'm just asking simply, I'm not even really asking for the score at halftime. I'm asking, is this is this game going to be nip and tuck throughout? I, I just don't get that
0: feeling that it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely bought in that I think OU has a chance to be really, really good, but I don't know. I, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of answers for OU offensively. I just don't. I think that they can run the ball predominantly, you know, if they wanted to, I think they could run the ball 60% of the time and
2: be fine. I think Eddie's spot on. Uh, if, if I had to predict, I'd say, oh, he runs the ball more than people think in this game. And, you know, I could very easily envision. In fact, I would almost predict that Houston scores a few plays early, scores on a couple of broken plays. You know, Oboe doesn't maintain a, a containment. and uh, Greg Ward gets out. Uh, one of the receivers slips behind. I could see that happening a few times. But as the game wears on, Oklahoma will find a way to force Houston to get first downs, string a drive together in a way that I don't think Houston's defense can do to Oklahoma. I think there
3: will be some some adjustments that go on. Because, I mean, let's face it, Todd Herman is a really good offensive coordinator. And I I think that Greg Ward is going to be able to come out and make some plays, get them on their heels a little bit. But I think OU will make some adjustments. If it's halftime, it's halftime. I think it will probably be before then... But I could I could see them sticking with them for, for two quarters, Max. If if Greg Ward and their offense is able to kind of pull some pull a rabbit out of the hat here and there.
0: The one thing I do I don't know, I just I don't know if it bugs me or if it's a warning sign that, you know, it's kind of what Joe said. Teams usually come out in this first game, whether it be too anxious and they have a couple uh procedure penalties and get them behind the chains yeah. or uh you you don't have a good I guess the quarterback and receivers aren't on the same page and stuff things like that do happen but uh from what we saw with the offense last year and the way that they ended you know they started with the run and then I think everything opened up with easy passes that Baker was able to make and whether that be swing passes to Mixon out on the side or anything just between the tackles I think they're going to be fine uh it will be interesting to see you know if Oklahoma comes out and they 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 get pushed around by Houston, uh, It it's probably a, a reason for immediate concern. Uh, and, you know, I, something I've always joked around with my friends is you usually know in the first quarter uh, during the Stoops era, the last 18 years, you usually know, is this going to be a game that they lose? Or at least I feel like it is. And sometimes they come back and they have miracle victories. Like the Tennessee game was definitely probably one of those they're going to lose this game. Then they came back and pulled one, but you usually have a good idea or a good feel. If Oklahoma is going to lose that night,
4: you know, truthfully, um, uh, yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do tend to agree with that. I think it's, it is kind of the, you know, the heart sinking fan in me, I guess that, feels that way too like if it goes bad it just goes bad but i just i think i don't think you can discount baker mayfield i mean what he means to that team when you have when you start out slow like that and things are going you know really bad usually it falls apart because you don't have somebody leading you under center
0: well in recent years i think that you definitely have hit it right on the head it's been the
3: or or there's you no have Landry in, Jones, yeah. and he's the guy making the mistakes that, that are putting you behind
0: all and the time. And usually there's no faith in him coming back out. Right, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Baker's got more of that baseball player mentality of, all right, next to bat. Or like a cornerback, you know, I got beat, all right, whatever. Next time, next time up there, doesn't seem to be have residual effects. If, you know, that Tennessee game opened up with an interception where I think it hit off D.D. Westbrook's fingers. Mm-hmm. I mean, something like that can easily happen where, you know, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and just kind of a fluke thing happens, a tip happens, Houston gets momentum. Uh, but Kerry's right. Baker Mayfield's a great thing for Oklahoma to have, that calming presence. The point of the conversation really was just to say, I don't know how much
3: opportunity young guys are going to have to play because, let's face it, when things especially with Mike Stoops on defense, when things are tight, they want the starters out yeah. there. And the same thing happens with receivers. If things are tight, they're not going to be rotating six guys. They're going to have Dee, Dee and Mark Andrews and Jarvis Baxter and then probably Geno Lewis or A.D. Miller. I mean, That's five guys right there. And yeah. if it's tight, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Dahu Green and, and Jeffrey Meade.
2: And also, you're going to see a lot of 21. You're going to see a lot of two backs with Mark Andrews in there and then D.D. Westbrook on the outside. So there's going to be one wide receiver role to fill for most of the game. And, you know, who who knows if A.D. Miller goes out there on the first drive and looks impressive, I could see them just saying, okay, let's let A.D., let's ride the hot hand, or whoever they put out there, if someone does well, they could just ride the hot hand.
3: Josh, let me ask you something. Um, How much did you see, how many times did you see Mark Jackson in high school?
4: I saw him, let's see, it would have been twice. One of those is when he was a sophomore, though. I didn't see him in person as a senior because he was committed to A&M for so long that it just did end up being kind of a uh, a fit within my schedule. But, yeah, I saw him a couple times. I saw him his sophomore year, and then I saw him again his junior year. I mean, he made
3: the depth chart. Yeah. But from what little we got to see of him, yeah, he just looked like a guy that didn't really look like... I mean, he didn't look like he'd gotten a lot of coaching in his life.
4: Well, I think that tells you where they are at outside linebacker. I mean, they just don't have a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of bodies, and I think it also says something. Mark's a talented guy. I mean, so there's no, he there's,
3: definitely is. That
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I mean, it just kind of tells you that both their hand is forced. They're going to have to play some young guys they're not ready to play. In a, in a perfect world, but at the same time, they are. He is a ta- At least he's a guy that has the ability to do some good things. He's going to make some bust, and he's going to make some mistakes, but I, I think you're right. In a perfect world, he probably wouldn't be all that different than Oboe, who we all saw flashes of from the minute he was eligible to play, but at the same time, you knew. You're like, well, he's not. he, he doesn't have it all down. He's not where they need him to be mentally, and Mark's a really sharp kid, so I have no doubt he's improved considerably from that day early in yeah. camp when you guys got to yeah. see him. But there's no way that they really feel like, in a perfect world, we'd be playing him. So, And I don't know that it's all that different for Caleb Kelly. I, I think he's probably in the same boat as far as if we didn't have to play him, we
3: wouldn't. And I, I, think, I think this, too. If, if Oboe had had someone there that was a really good player, there's a reason he was a backup last year. I mean, he was, he's not Devontae Bond or Eric Stryker. He would have been beaten out if they had better players at outside linebacker.
4: Oh, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I mean, and that was the thing. It's a shame we didn't have the podcast back then. But I remember a couple of signing days ago when Bob was telling everybody, oh, no, our numbers are where we expect them to be at linebacker. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah,
3: I remember that being kind of a controversy.
4: That You can tell me this is where they wanted to be at linebacker, and it wasn't them. They're like, well, we have Stryker and Bond. Well, that's great. But you're lucky, you know, I guess Stryker never went down, and Bond just kind of had nagging stuff last year, so they didn't really have to pay the price. This year is when it's scary. Next year, guys like Kelly and Jackson will have some experience. Maybe Ricky DeBerry starts to come along. I mean, you you have some reason to think that it gets better. This year's where you kind of have to bridge that gap and where those numbers really come home and hurt you.
2: I get the impression they are very excited with how Capri Doucette has come in and played. Uh, he's somebody who's filled a hole um, with some experience at outside linebacker that maybe they weren't sure that they were going to get from those Juco guys. But again, to me, is
3: that just, okay, you've got a mature guy, an experienced guy, a guy that knows how to fit into a defense that can that's played somewhere close to this speed. Are they just happy because... He's, he, he, he can get out there and execute what they want him to execute. And and I still question, is he really an elite athlete? Or is he just a guy that, that cannot go out there and screw up?
0: I think that's a very scary proposition when you consider how important the linebacker is going to be on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, they, they could very easily go out there, and I don't think it's going to happen. But if Capri Doucette and uh, the linebackers don't play well... They could get beat by 10 points.
3: See, for everything I've heard is, you know, that i talk to people that have watched, it's always they're very impressed that Doucette, uh, you know, can run around and be where he's supposed to be, uh, and, and he can make plays, but, it, but the defense doesn't fall apart when he's out there. When I hear people talk about, like, Emmanuel Beal, it's more like they're talking about he has really... Kind of like holy crap plays. Like he has, oh wow type plays in him where, and he does bust and he does, he's not always in the right place at the right time. But to me, from what I hear from people, Bill's the guy that really has almost elite athleticism where Doucette's just kind of a steady as he goes type.
4: I think that's right because I mean, that matches up more with what I saw in film. I think we talked about it. Uh, Kerry, you played some audio. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before where we were talking about, uh, my, or Mike Stoops was talking about how elite Capri is athletically and was actually even comparing him to, um, to striker. Yeah, and I, and I think we came back out of that, and I was like, I didn't see that on tape. Not that he's not a good athlete, but I didn't see a guy like that. Now, when I watched Beal, you were kind of like, well, this guy's got some stuff. Now, you knew he was 190 pounds, so that that had to factor into how you were looking at him. But he was the guy that I thought, boy, he kind of jumps off the screen with how he can close and do some of those things. It wasn't Doucette. Doucette. I like I said, I thought he would be inside, and I thought he might end up being a pretty good player. I didn't think he was going to be outside and be compared to Stryker by any stretch of the imagination.
3: Well, guys, and, and I want you guys to talk about this because you've been around as much as I have. But I think it was really strange because at the start of camp, I, I think it, it it almost like took a while for – us as media for the light to come on about how big a part Will Johnson is of this defense, and it was like because we could never really you remember. There was that one day I asked Bob like, because um, I was like, so Obo's playing striker's position. He was like, no, Will Johnson's playing striker's position, and it didn't compute, and I didn't I didn't understand what he was saying. It took me some time to figure it out, so I think that's where the confusion was, but essentially. What they did a year ago was instead of having a nickel, they had striker. And he was supposed to be able to drop back in coverage and, and do all this stuff. That's what you would want that guy. But he didn't do that. I mean, he was just an edge rusher. And they, they covered up for him. And the other defensive backs had to cover up for him. And the linebackers had to cover up for him. But essentially, now they're just back to having a nickel instead of having a striker. And Oboe kind of is their edge rusher on the other side. He plays where Bond was playing. But what's crazy is you. the more we go along, you kind of find out that he's pretty much the key to this defense yeah. this year. It,
0: it's been insane, actually. I mean, listening to... Uh to Bob talk about him from Bob going on the podium and talking about him on Monday uh talking about how he's he's been the guy that's given this off the offense such a big fit during the preseason is Will Johnson and uh then you look at uh you you talk to Lincoln Riley and he said the same thing on Tuesday or on uh, Monday afternoon at post practice interviews and uh you know carrie I know that you talked to Will Johnson a little bit I think Joe you were over there and talked to him a little bit he uh, It seems like he is primed to have a good season. Uh, Going back, just I guess from the video standpoint of things, he made a lot of plays last year. He was around the ball a lot. No, he did. I had a bunch of clips of him of making really nice plays. I think the the number one that came to mind was the play out in the flat at Kansas State. He knocked down a ball, and then he made a really good uh, tackle for a loss. But uh, there's a lot of weight being put on his shoulders, and it seems like it's – I don't know just for maybe for me is it's funny that he's just a redshirt junior and he's not a
3: senior here's mike stoops uh just uh tuesday talking about will johnson mike can you uh talk about going back to the spring when you just decided or knew that will johnson would be the you know one of your top 11 kind of what you saw in him to make you go in that direction
0: well
4: i think we we gave him opportunities a year ago and you know when he he got his opportunity he really played well and and was a playmaker and and that just continued throughout the season and then as we went through spring and continued this fall he's a guy that can do a lot of different things Uh, you know so we we feel he gives us a lot of flexibility in our defense to get into fronts get in and out of fronts do different things so when you play five dbs it it gives you some more opportunities to play more coverages as well
2: yeah. Will Johnson is someone who I, uh, I talked to at Media Days uh, earlier in August, and uh, I just kind of got this vibe from him that I really liked. He's a very thoughtful guy. Uh, he's very cerebral, cerebral, clearly, when he plays the game. And I remembered him, like you guys said last year, he was in on a lot of plays, especially behind the line of scrimmage. And so, you know, I, I think I wrote that article called Good Will Johnson, stealing from Josh's uh, amazing pun names. And about how he does yeah, that. Yeah, that's and, a problem. Yeah, <laughs> he has that gif. I put that Kansas State gif in there where he makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And I talked about how he made more tackles for loss last year than Matthew Romar, Jordan Wade, Frank Shannon, Ahmad Thomas, and Oboe. I mean, those are bigger guys around the line of scrimmage that Will was making more plays than uh, behind the line. And then I was talking to some people around the program. And I started to get the vibe that while last year, you know, they love Stryker and everything he can bring. They knew they had to put him in there for one role. And they had to find ways to kind of maneuver the defense around him. And now this year with Will Johnson, they feel they can just call a defense and have Will out there to do anything that he can do. He can cover, he can rush, and that he will be more of a force rushing the passer than people realized, uh, maybe covering guys in the slot and sneaking up. So I, I I am with you all that his emergence has been surprising, but maybe it shouldn't have been because the way he played last year when he came in was he was a force behind the line of scrimmage, and he added 22 pounds in the offseason, so he obviously has the work ethic.
3: Well, he, he, they're asking him to basically be both a defensive back and a linebacker. play. I mean, that was why the Roy back position became what it was, is because he was big enough to, to help stuff the run, yet he, well, at least in college, he could help support the pass a lot better and run with receivers. That ended up being his undoing in the NFL because he was really not that fleet of foot when it came to to being a true guy in the secondary. But I had a chance to kind of just catch up one-on-one a little bit with Will Johnson uh, after practice on Tuesday, and I wanted to, to play some of that for you guys here. Are you a guy that, I mean, that you practice? You have to spend a lot of time between Coach Cooks and Coach Mike a little bit because you're in such a unique position like that.
1: Yeah, I actually break the huddle with them with both groups. I run the Coach Mike's huddle and say one, two, three centers, and I run the Coach Cooks huddle and say one, two, three centers.
3: So you working extra hard. That's yeah, I it. work extra
1: hard. I'm trying to get the pass concepts from Coach Cooks and then get the run concepts from Coach Mike and trying to combine yeah. all. So
3: was that? I mean, was that? Did you figure that out in the spring and then the off season? Was that kind of your your job? Or was did that come easy to you? I mean, it sound, I mean, it sounds like you're carrying a heavier load than most guys.
1: Yeah, I, I, would feel, I feel that way because just I'm, I felt as though I was having to just uh, master one thing and then have a couple okay practices at DB and then have to get the wrinkles out of DB later and mm-hmm. then come back and just put both of them together, like put two or two together. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a little bit tough at first, but I think I pulled on pretty quick to it.
3: Bob was saying that you're going to surprise people as a pass rusher. What is it about you? I mean, are you like a running back getting skinny in the hole? or? I mean, you just have a knack for finding your way
1: through blockers. Yeah, I just feel, I just feel like, yeah, I think it's just a knack for finding a way through blockers. And then another thing, just expecting what's going to happen. And most of the time, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's a guess. It's just like the, just the film that you studied is will tell you the truth. Is I, I'm not sure if a lot of guys just don't understand film or don't know how to break it down. But I know it's enough athletes on understand that if we all watch film and die it the way I feel like I understand it, I was like, we all would be beasts. Mm-hmm. Like so, I mean, I just, uh, yeah, just pretty much the They're just breaking it down.
3: You, you you, East Coast guys just feel like you got to work harder than everybody else because you're not from, you know, where football is a religion like, you know, Texas kids?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely feel like that. I think the guys that make it out of there are the, are always going to be like a top guy, but since we're not recruited as much, I don't think like our guys who, like our mid-major type of guys who possibly could play here, but they possibly couldn't, and they don't normally get off here. They only were off like maybe the top guy from our area, mm-hmm. so he's normally – Pretty good, yeah. To say the least, so uh, a guy like Tap and stuff like that, so he's yeah. normally pretty good if you're recruited from there, are you? Unofficial 40.
3: So, yeah, there's uh, uh, Will Johnson, um, basically saying, I rule the film room, yeah, you the, should yeah. too. Maybe the Get most, better, maybe the most humble Get
0: brag, on my <laughs> level, maybe the most humble brag of uh, film watching I've ever heard. Yeah. Do you feel like,
3: reminded me a little bit of this yesterday, yeah, move, man. Go on, get
1: away from over here, please. you making the block hot, buddy.
3: Swaggy P, a little Swaggy P. I love that video from yesterday.
0: Will Johnson, he gives me a little bit of a feel of uh, Dakota Johnson in that he he feels a little hardened. Dakota Austin. Like, See you. Did what did it I today? say? You did
2: it too? You did, you did it. Today. Today. What did I just? Say? I at least caught you. Dakota Johnson. I did that yesterday. Don I was, Johnson's I typed daughter. Dakota Johnson. Who See, is that? It's Don
3: Johnson's
0: daughter. It's the Fifty, sh- the 50, shades,
3: it's a 50 of shades of Grey chick. Well, I've never, I've never Don read Johnson's that. Johnson's daughter? Yes. I did not know Melanie that. Melanie Griffith's uh, daughter, too, I think. Wow.
0: Okay. Da- Dakota Austin. Yes. I feel like he's a little bit hardened in that. I don't know if I'd want to meet him in a back alley. It's kind of the same as Dakota Austin. Uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of there are two personalities that i don't think have been around the oklahoma program in a while i guess would be the best way to put it
3: by the way here's another humble brag uh from yesterday from uh, one of oklahoma's best
1: uh, i think i'm twice the player that i was last year uh and, and i think the, the coaches and some of the players around me would agree uh in, in the physical aspect i think i'm making more accurate throws and, and smarter decisions and then at the same time, I'm um, checking out of plays. And, and like I said earlier, putting our team in the best situation to win while also taking care of the ball. And I think that's, that's my most important aspect of, of what I'm doing here is, is putting us in a, a good situation to win.
3: You know, I, and I just want to talk about Baker real quick before we get out of here. Um, but uh, it's, it's been interesting because it seems like nothing but good things have happened for him recently. And you wondered how he's going to keep that chip on his shoulder I guarantee you, every time somebody comes out like... I know Mike Farrell's been doing this top 50 list on Rivals. Every time he comes out as the number seven player in the country, I guarantee that pisses him off. I oh, mean, yeah.
2: There, there's no doubt. Uh, he clearly so, looks for that stuff. I mean, he, yeah. he knows how to live in a world where he only gets bad news about himself or perceived bad news. So, like, well, It's just a different type of mentality, guys. I mean, like, if any of us were the top
4: seven in anything... That would be like the moment of our lives. For Baker, it's an insult. Like, I mean, we talk about it all the time with these kids. Like, I'm not the number one guy in the country. I can't believe rivals would slam me like that. Bro, you're number four out of like a million high school football players. Like, that's as good a compliment as someone could be paid, you know, save three. So, you know, that, that, that's why, again, that's why he is very good, is because he finds something to be angry about that the normal person would not think twice about.
3: Well, I'm, I'm ready to see you know, how this all works out. I don't think it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not beyond Baker to come out and throw for 400 yards in game one. Uh, I don't think it'll happen just because he he has to figure out what he's going to do without Sterling Shepard. And, uh, you know, if, if if D.D. Westbrook really steps up and becomes the player that he is capable of being, that he is athletically gifted enough to be, then, yeah, they can just keep moving on. And they can just keep, Baker can just keep being himself. But I, I, think you know. I think the running game is what they're going. And Baker has said this. He's going to lean on the running game, and he's prepared to lean on the running game uh, to take shots down the field and make the passing game not really, not. I don't see Baker going into this saying, "Okay, we're going to throw the ball forty-five times." I think he 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 looks at the passing game right now, as it's developing. He's going to use the running game to set it up, to get guys in one-on-one situations. And even when he does that is A.D. Miller going to come down with the ball is Jeffrey Meade going to come down with the ball is DD Westbrook going to I mean Sterling Shepherd would come down with balls that's why he would always, that's why Trevor Knight would only throw to him. So nobody has proven that you know if they do get in those situations they can execute. It's amazing that you go
0: just a year with Baker now and it's like he can do the impossible almost. Anybody believes that OU can play with anybody because of Baker Mayfield. Yeah it's 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 really amazing when i mean the they turnaround. were eight and
3: five and coming off of that and people yeah. were wondering if he was just some flash in the pan at yeah at texas tech and he can it just seems like everybody
0: believes in anything that he can do and you know if if there was an added chip that he needed it was uh the comments from jonathan vilma and you know that's that's oh, all yeah. he's thinking about now and he was asked about it on uh, tuesday and he just kind of left it, said, it at.: We'll see Saturday.: Yeah, I respect Jonathan Vilma's game, but we'll see on Saturday, And he walked out of the press conference. So uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see you know, and the other thing that he said about Houston was just the, the team's mentality, in that Houston they finished with a better record than OU last year. They won their bowl game last year, and you know, in that locker room, they think that that goes a long way. That they 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 they're focused on Houston I don't think there's any question that they're not overlooking Houston or anything about this game on Saturday so it will be uh
2: it'll be it'll be a lot of fun I'm I'm excited I'm a little shocked that there's not more I don't know concern is the right word about that game I, I mean that's a that's a good team that's a team that's Baker mentioned uh, you know put it to everybody they played last year except for one so uh, I, I don't know I, I think that uh baker mayfield he only threw for 400 yards once last year in that tulsa game uh, i would be shocked if he threw for 400 yards in this one uh i've said it on the board i think oklahoma needs to work inside out need to work that running game as hard as they can it's pretty simple i think they're better in the interior line than they were a year ago work mark andrews over the middle um if you have dd westbrook in one-on-one, converse, uh, one-on-one uh, situations, go ahead and abuse it um, but other than that work inside out and i think oklahoma will be fine all right uh Time for us to get out of here. I want everybody to kind of give a bold
3: prediction, though, for the season. Uh, Josh, I know you're loving this time of year because, well, there's so much going on and recruiting's really not everybody's, you know, those high school kids are focused more on getting their seasons going. So I know it's probably frustrating for some people, but uh, you probably have to enjoy this time of year.
4: Well, I do because I get to just watch college football a little bit. I mean, that's always... You know, for me, it kills me because with more and more high school games on Saturdays, and it, it takes away from my ability to kind of enjoy college football. Because that's that's why I got into this. I love college football, so um, I am. I'm enjoying a little bit of slowdown, and I realize that people want recruiting news. But just like you know, I, I guess the fans and us and everything else, the coaches are locked into to the season opener right now. I think next week you'll see it kind of shift back. It's ULM. Oklahoma can kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit and kind of shift back to recruiting. It's not to say that they're not doing anything in recruiting. They're just not going to be a lot of waves made right now. So I think next week you'll probably see some new offers go out. You'll see some changes. And yeah, I mean, this, this is a great time of year, but, uh, I, I I want, I'm going to have to think about my bold prediction because I feel like I give out a bunch of them. So I'm going to have to come up with something completely original while Joe and Eddie, uh, fire out some of theirs.
2: Joe Eddie, either one of you want to step to the forefront here? I don't know. I mean, I I could repeat the one I put in my last 321. That was fairly bold, I think. That's bold. I mean, I, I I've never made such a bold prediction, but I felt really good about it. Uh, can, about the running back situation, yeah, th- I think P. Ryan and Mixon could very well rush for 300 3,000 yards combined. I think it could happen. Uh in in, in that I know it sounds crazy, but in the, in that article I pointed out that Uh, they need about I think it was like 110 more carries this year than they got last year at their same average and you know both of them were banged up at times last year Um, next year Rodney Anderson's neck injury I mean Abdul Adams will get some carries but not a lot Um, and in 2008 when they had Chris Brown and DeMarco Murray Moses Madu they had more than enough carries uh, for them to get I think it was 511 carries and as long as they average uh, six yards a carry which they did a year ago you're there so uh i think that's where oklahoma needs to heavily rely on this year i think those are two guys that are going to be two starting nfl running backs one day two good starting nfl running backs one day uh you lose your best weapon on the outside you get better on the interior i think the recipe is just there for a huge year on the ground for oklahoma if if they want it i guess that that brings
0: it to me and i think i'm getting ready to uh, double down on what i said last weekend and take it one step further the uh first week of uh, December it won't be baker mayfield in new york city it'll be joe mixon
2: wow Ooh. <laughs> i mean he won't be there he will not be there because the votes oh, has been dropped but that's a great pick he's i don't think people realize how good he is he's got to do an interview first yeah that's the problem but he's i don't know the problem with mixon is it's impossible for him to
3: rehabilitate his 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 character or whatever his personality it's it, He can't rehabilitate himself until he starts talking to the media and people see him besides the guy that got suspended for a year for hitting a girl. Exactly. And his lawyer. It's. I'm not saying it's OU's fault. It's his lawyer's fault. I mean, trust me, it drives OU sports information people crazy that they can't put him out in front of the media.
2: I promise you, they want to.
3: They want to. Yep. And I think Bob wants to. But it's it's an impossible situation.
0: What better place to address everything than, uh,
1: oh, than man, in New York hydroxy. City?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he hasn't addressed it yet. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, and trust me, Lindsay Schnell would be there, and she'd have every right to be there. Mm-hmm. And she'd be peppering him left and right. I Yeah, well, I don't... I there, I don't there want would to be so much pressure
4: you. like think yeah. about chris fowler sitting in that chair doing the little one-on-ones he does before the heisman thing like he'd have to ask a tuple, couple of tough questions and it's on national live tv joe's got no way out of that
2: yeah to eddie's point though send a stunt double joe I, <laughs> todd mcshay who you know say what we can say about todd mcshay and that's all probably fair but he sat down to watch samajay P Pirine, Pirine tape and he started tweeting about Joe Mixon instead. He said, I can't stop watching Joe Mixon play. If you go back and watch games from a year ago, um, even games like Tennessee where he didn't have a huge game, there are moments like there was a third and six, and he breaks a couple tackles, bounces outside, picks it up. He had a 56-yard catch that got called back for a penalty. I think he had multiple 50-plus-yard catches last year that got called back for a penalty. He penalty. His talent trumps everything. I mean, his, he's the most talented guy on that offense. He's, he's, got, a, I mean, he's got a physical build like Marshawn
3: Lynch, but... He can he can he can, be, he can be, play receiver like I mean name anyone I mean I don't know that he has a ceiling as a receiver. I've said it since
0: I guess the day that we saw him in Chicago. He is the probably one of the best high school players I've seen with my eyes since working with you guys. Yeah, I could see that. Just the most talented guy, and I think he's going. I guess I went a little farther. You said bold, and I went yeah, bold. Yeah. So. I just think he's going to have a humongous year.
2: I obviously agree.
3: All right. Um, Hashtag 3,000. I don't want to make a bold prediction that's going to piss people off. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to, here's my prediction. TCU gets Oklahoma. With that game being where it's at, after just playing Ohio State, playing Houston... I think, unfortunately, TCU is going to get Oklahoma in Fort Worth this year.
0: I don't think you can sit here and say that's a crazy thing to say. It, it, it's their, their first five games are just so tough. Even the—I don't think you can just say that they could show up and—well, I guess they can show up and beat Louisiana Monroe, but it's an awkward spot after this Houston game, before Ohio State, then you get through those first three non-cons, you have a bye week, and then all of a sudden you're going to Fort Worth with Texas the next week. But you
3: know what? If you make it close, and you've beaten Ohio State and Houston, Houston goes on to have a good game, you barely lose to TCU, and then you somehow win the Big 12, I think you can still get in the college football playoff. I
2: think that would be fine. But to your point, Kerry, they got to play Greg Ward Jr., JT Barrett, and Kenny Hill in the first month of the season. So if they can't get their ducks in a row guarding a dual threat quarterback, not only could they drop to TCU, I mean there's a couple of landmines early in the season and uh it wouldn't shock me if that's the one where Oklahoma trips. They somehow make it through the big ones and then let down and uh go into TCU. They almost lost what last you, year.
4: What would you guys say if I said the odds of Oklahoma going three and two in the first five is almost as good as them going five and zero oh in the first five
3: say that one more time.
4: The odds of Oklahoma coming out 3 and 2 in that first 5 is almost as good as the odds of them going 5 and 0 in that first 5. I think 4 and 1's the bet. I think that's the likely scenario, but 5 and 0 seems really pie in the sky to me and 3 and 2 against that schedule doesn't seem as impossible as it sounds, even though I think Oklahoma is
2: a really good team. With the expectations and the odds you would get, I would probably lean towards 3 and 2 since people seem to be thinking 5 and 0 is a not only a a possibility, but a probability. So I'd lean towards the three and two just on the odds I would get. But I think you. Yeah, if I had to put money on it in Vegas, if those were my only two choices, mm-hmm. I'd put money
3: down on three and two. I think that's.
4: Well, I, I don't think I'd really thought about it till right now. But I mean, you look at that. That's not crazy. I, don't know, I mean, Ohio State's
3: so young. I mean, they're just
0: so they young, and that's yeah. so early. They lost another safety today. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: I I just. I don't think Ohio State coming into here, as long as they beat Houston, as long as they're 2-0 and going into that Ohio State game, I don't think that Ohio State get, team is capable of handling what they're going to face in this environment, Norman.
4: It will I think be I think wild. there's some truth in that. I, TCU, I'm real interested. I, and I, I don't think your pick's crazy, Kerry, but it's just, man, I, I feel like one half of football has become the story of, like, TCU football. Like people forget they were getting housed by Oregon in that game and lost their two best players by a mile. So I, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. Now I mean I know those guys didn't play in that game so that's kind of irrelevant, but as good as they were last year, the two guys that really carried that team are gone and their best running back. So I I don't know. We'll we'll see. TCU I feel like it's everybody buying into Gary Patterson more than what's actually there. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. That uh, that's why I'm doing it. I mean, Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, and OU's
2: track record in Fort Worth the last few years has not been great. I I have a lot of friends that have kind of thrown out that well, there's going to be somebody that has a career game against OU this year. They just they think it's going to happen. You know, Tavon Austin or Seth Deegee, it's they've been they in their mind they've been beaten too much in the past by these guys who have career games. And I kind of threw out the question, okay, well, who do you think that candidate would be this year? And I think the first name thrown out was Kenny Hill. They could, ju- they could just envision uh, starting the year 3-0, and going down to Fort Worth, have all that, having all that hype, and then Kenny Hill throws for 400 yards, runs for another 100 in the OU season.
3: Coming. I don't know. There's a Joe T. Garcia's in Fort Worth, and we know Mexican restaurants are Kenny Hill's kryptonite.
0: <laughs> you think he's gonna be uh, passed out in the palms? <laughs> they had a lot of patio space there. They got cheap margs there. And you, uh oh, that's
3: that's all Joe T. Garcia's is.
0: Yeah, boom. I wouldn't blame him. More power to him if he does that. <laughs> it might be something I've done before. He's only
2: human. <laughs> They're cheap margs. What can you do?
0: It's a TCU quarterback tradition. If we should do go it. there this year, you better pay cash though, or bring cash. You cash can only. only. Paying cash. Cash Joe only. T. Garcia's. Cash only. Man, we're on. Ca- Eddie good. would know that. It. That's a place that I we used to go every Friday before AU Texas.
2: Does Josh have a bold prediction that's not such a bummer? I feel like all the people listening now are kinda. Womp, womp. Yeah, Josh, where are you going with your bold prediction?
0: You know,
4: Kerry, you kinda talked me into this one. I've been sitting here kinda looking at it and trying to figure out where I want to go. I'm kind of surprised I'm where I'm at because this is this is literally this just came to me as I'm looking at it. I think I'm gonna go with D.D. Westbrook having more yardage than Sterling Shepard last year. Wow. Ooh. Wow. I, you look at his yards per catch, and I, again, some of that's affected by all the coverage rolling to Shepard last year. But his yards per catch was almost a yard better than Shepard last year. Excuse me, it was over a yard better than Shepard last year. So he doesn't even have to have the same number of catches, which I don't think he'll get, as Sterling got, I think Sterling had 83 to hit that kind of year. number. So you're talking twelve eighty-nine. He needs about 78 catches, 79 catches to hit that number, which with no clear-cut number three receiver – I think it's possible. Mixon's the question. If they're going to make Mixon a forty-five, fifty catch guy, then I don't think Dede can do it. But if he's more like twenty-five or thirty, then I think it's completely
3: attainable. My other bold prediction, my bonus bold prediction, Josh, is that we're getting to Houston tonight, but we're getting there late. <laughs> if you're you doing, guys are you're here doing ten thirty. yeah, you're doing Manville all by and lunch North Shore. Tomorrow. That's, I don't know how That's attractive kind of a, it is. Where are we talking?
4: Oh, you're talking El Tiempo. You guys are going to be by El Tiempo. You've heard about it for too long. That's happening tomorrow at lunch. Okay. We won't tell anybody nice. where, which El Tiempo. We have the advantage that there are several in Houston. This is like a, this so. is like a
3: morning animal burrito bed of all time. Like I get <laughs> El Tiempo instead of oh. breakfast burritos.
4: Yeah, you can get the burrito. You can get anything on that menu. It's all good. We're getting the better
0: side of this.
3: Well, either way, we're either paying or, yeah, we're, we're eating El Tiempo. Paying. This is a yeah. win.
4: You're eating, yeah, exactly. You're eating El Tiempo. It's all going to be good after that.
3: Joe's over in the corner with a little tear in his eye right now. Yeah, I'll hold down the fort in the 405, I guess. Well, I am. Uh, I'm excited. I'm ready to get out of here. It's Glenn Campbell, he's fired not up. Not again, Joe. Ugh. You both are fired again.
2: All right. Uh, Eddie's going to be playing Paul Wall the whole way down here. <laughs> I need to uh, run yeah. home and get my grill. <laughs> get some Rick Ross, the boss. You guys have traveled with me. You know I'm down with whatever. Uh, no, you, we had a, the 90s pop stretch back from Kansas City was great. I didn't know that you had that in you, uh, that you can hang with some 90s pop of stuff. Of course. That, was beautiful. that
3: list has even grown. I've got some All for One on there now. Ooh, nice. Maybe a little BB Mac.
4: Hey, quick, quick before we get out of here. Eddie and Joe, we referenced Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith earlier. Do you
2: two know who those people are? Absolutely, I do. Okay. Don Johnson and Mike. I know Weiss. the names. I don't, I don't know who they are. Don Don jo- I know that they're actors. <laughs> <right>? Miami Vice. <laughs> they, are they still alive? Yeah. How young is the dude right now with Eddie? Figuring how young he is. What, what, wait, Melanie Griffith with the other one? She's, uh, she was in Now and Then, which is a movie I dig with Rosie O'Donnell and Rita Wilson and Demi Moore.
3: Melanie Griffith's movie
4: interests are very they're notable we should have a conversation about that at some point
2: I, he likes Chocolat uh, oh, I have never oh. seen chocolate. I do love what What movie is that is like, I Love You Man where Paul Rudd keeps yes. talking about how much he loves chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic they had a summer salad and watched yeah. chocolate. it was <laughs> delightful and then Jason it's chocolate just say chocolate
3: <laughs> <laughs> alright I think that's the best that we can do I think we've run out of, of podcast We've certainly had a long Hey, I want to say this uh, To everyone out there listening We really appreciate uh, the listening. The numbers are just climbing and been outstanding I'd like to ask you guys If you can, go to iTunes and give us a rating Good or bad I don't care if you say we suck uh, But I'd love for you to go there And you know, just write a little review And say what you think of the podcast Eddie will threaten you with your life If you no. I give us a one star No, I, 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 won't, I won't
0: threaten you But I will judge you but
3: subscribe. <laughs> you're wrong. Here's the thing: if you subscribe either on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, and for you Android people, Stitcher is really probably the best way to go. I would say. I don't know. You, I'm not, I'm not an Android weirdo like Joe and Josh, so maybe you guys can boom tune in there. But uh, or give me your thoughts there. But um, yeah, the Android, uh, Google Play Store, SoundCloud. But like, if you're an iPhone user. The best thing to do is just go on iTunes and subscribe because as soon as we upload this video or this uh, podcast, excuse me, it'll download right to your phone. So that's the best way to get it uh, other than, you know, just on the website, staying on there. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, appreciate Josh McQuistian back in studio or back in his studio. Eddie, Eddie Radosovich, Joe DeVault here in studio. Uh, I am uh, Carrie Murdoch as well. Um, and appreciate you guys joining us. We'll see you next time on the unofficial 40.